It's, of course, your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. I am uh, beyond thrilled to have this person on. Um, he is a returning guest. I feel so proud to be able to say <laughs> that this person is a returning guest because he's one of my faves out there. Um, and that is Chris Eisman of uh, The Record and uh, NorthJersey.com. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Um, um you know... <laughs> like you, I I think I mean let me ask you, how happy are you? This year is almost over. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah, it's about time. It's been a while. Um, yeah, it's been you know, it's just sort of like at this point the games really don't matter and um I think everybody's sort of getting to the point where it's like all right, let's just let's end it and let's turn our, our attention to the draft full time and then free agency. Um but you know, we're almost there. Yeah, we're we're close. And, and you know, I was thinking about it. The last time I think I it, we had you on, um, you know, the team there was more. Um, I want to say normalcy because like the team was bad, but they weren't like abhorrent. Um, <laughs> I think the biggest controversy at the time was uh, you know Frank Nilakita getting twenty minutes a game as opposed to twenty five or whatever. Yeah. You know, yep. and since yep. then we've had. Uh, obviously, the James Dolan incident with the fan. We've had the uh, the best young player the team has had in 30 years being traded. The uh, the KD noise has been turned up to 11. So, do you feel like you've really earned your Knicks beat badge after <laughs> this year? I, I don't think so because I feel like I would have to cover a few more losing seasons and a lot more controversy That's to earn fair. that. That's fair. <laughs> um, like I say to some of the guys on the beat, you know. I say I've said to them one day I was like I give you guys a lot of credit because I don't think it's I didn't realize how hard it was to cover a season like this until I actually did it. Um, so you know, I, like I said, I give them a lot of credit for what they've endured in the time that they've been on the beat. But I'm uh, you know I've still been pretty fortunate. This year hasn't been quite as bad as previous years. Well, let me uh, record wise. I mean, outside stuff. Yeah, you know? no, I was yeah. I was gonna say. Um, and you, you may have already answered it, but I was going to ask, what's been the most challenging part of, of covering this team this year for you? I think, um, you know, when a team is out of it and is losing as many games as they were so early and it becomes apparent that the season is going to be – we always knew that they were going to lose a lot of games. I, I don't think that any of us expected them to lose quite this many games and to be um, – you know, going for the worst record in franchise history. And when you get to that point, it just becomes difficult sometimes to find things that are going to, A, interest people, um, you know, B, that are, you know, just good storylines. It's also difficult because this roster is not filled with guys that we know are going to be back next year. Yeah, um, very true. So it, it's sort of like this weird dynamic of like, you know, you're writing about guys sometimes, and you're like, well, they're not, they're going to be here in all likelihood next year. So, it's just you, you, you it's it's a struggle to sometimes find things that matter in the grand scheme of where the organization is going and, and that's that is is a challenge. I think you you put it really well and like you know it's funny because I I think about this stuff a lot obviously and and if you 
if you ask me to bet on like, all right, what guy on this roster right now are you absolutely certain is going to be wearing a Knicks uniform on opening day next year? I mean, I think, you know, you'd say Mitchell Robinson, mm-hmm. Kevin Knox, pretty good chance. But at the same time, it's like, all right, we don't know if they get the first pick, you know, exactly. the, the Davis exactly sweepstakes right. and like, yep. you know, if they're yep. in the running for Davis, all bets are off. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, So let me start with this as far as the team goes. I, we came into this season with kind of the team trumpeting these two pillars of this year is not necessarily going to be about wins. It's going to be about culture and it's going to be about development. And they've kind of gone back to those two, two buzzwords repeatedly throughout the season. Um, do you think anyone inside the organization thinks that based on what they laid out for themselves um, before the season started, do you think anyone would say that this year has been a success? Um, I, th- I think that anybody, you know, when they see a record of 14 and 60, um, I think it's hard to call it a success. I, I think that you have to, I don't think, I think the successes are in the much smaller things like Mitchell Robertson's growth for them. Um, or, you know, kind of the revelation of Alonzo Trier, how he's played, even though he's gone through his share of ups and downs, he's played generally pretty well. I think those are where the successes are, but I think it's hard to say overall that this year was a success. Um, From my own vantage point, I think that there were areas where I expected them to make a lot more improvements. Um, I can't say right now that they really ever established any sort of offensive identity. Um, Defensively, they've been terrible all season. And I think those were, and I think a lot of that's the product of the roster and not so much on David Fisdale. Um, I think that at the end of the day, it comes down to what the, the, the abilities of the players on this roster are. And I don't think that they're always conducive to what he was trying to do. And that's a serious problem, obviously. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it's, it's, it's just hard to, to, for anyone. And I don't think that there would be anyone who would say that this year was, a, was an overall success. It, and it's it, on its face. If they did, um, they should keep that to themselves. Yeah, uh, they should. I was going to say, I mean, if they, they should, that should be a secret. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and the, the reason I ask it is because, like, I, my feeling is the exact same as yours. I mean, there's been small successes mm-hmm. um, on the development front. I, the thing that interests me is this is culture because it's like, you know, I've been watching basketball for 25 years and I still don't know exactly what what that means um like what does it mean to have a good culture it's kind of one of those things that you know it when you see it right um and i guess i'm just wondering do you because you were you were covering the team for the tail end of of Mm -hmm. you know hornacek and yep you know yep yeah exactly um do you sense any change in like you know the 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 ethos, you know, the butterflies, you know, fluttering around the, the practice facility or, or not? I mean, is it or is it just kind of? I, I, I will say that I, I actually do. Um, I think that the players do like playing for Fisdale. That's good. Um, and I think that they do like this coaching staff. Um, and I think that that obviously goes a long way. So from that end, I do see some progress made um, that they do have a, thing, a good thing going there. But you're right. I mean, culture is always something that like. You can either you know when you see it, or you really have to be a part of it to actually appreciate what's happening. Um, but I, I do think, like I said, I, I do think that they enjoy playing for Fisdale. 
Um, he, he relates to them well. And I think that ultimately that, that should go a long way. I, I mean, I, I, the other thing I've really struggled with this year is how to judge Fisdell on the season. And you, you, yeah. you said it, the, the talent on the roster, I don't know how you make many assessments on his, on his, um, on his coaching. That said, do you think that they're, because clearly that, you know, one of the main, another one of the main through lines um, that we've heard has been, we're all on the same page. Like we're in this together. This is a unified front. Um, do you think they're still feeling as confident in him as a coach moving forward after this year, based on some of the things that you just talked about? Um, I, I think that they do. I mean, I, I think that it's hard to really judge him. This was a, a free pass, and I think we all kind of knew that. Everybody knew that going into the season that he was going to get a free pass. Um, this was going to be about establishing that, you know, quote unquote culture. Um, because the talent on the roster was just not going to live up to anything that he really and truly wanted to do. It just, this wasn't about, as we all knew, it wasn't about wins or losses. Um, so I think that he really, it's, it's tough to judge him as a coach this season with the roster that he has. That said, I, I would have liked to have seen, if I'm a Knicks fan, I would have liked to have seen more of an offensive identity or a defensive identity. Um, but you know, it's possible that next year, if he has a roster of better players, that's when we really start to see what what he can do as a coach. Um, so, you know, it, I think I think the jury is still out on, on how he does. And, I, and the one thing I, I was thinking about this recently too, he's still a young coach. I mean, it's a great point. One year he has one year as a head coach under his belt. Forget the second year in Memphis where he coached for you know whatever it was, sixteen Three or seventeen weeks. games. Yeah, I mean, you, you throw that away. Um, he inherited a, a pretty good roster full of veterans in Memphis. Um, or, you know, for the most part, full of veterans, guys like Conley and Gasol, obviously. And, and he's still a young coach. And I'm interested at the end of the season to hear, you know, what he learned this year. Cause, cause he's never obviously been in this situation as a head coach before. Yeah. Um, and, and I still think that there's, there's, that he was going through his own sort of developing this year. I, so, I was going to ask that. Do you, I, I wonder, and I, I don't know if this is possible for us to, to ever know. I wonder if he could go back and change one thing about this year or multiple things about this year, would he? Um, and if it's, Oh, I'm sure there are. Yeah, I'm sure there are. I mean, I, I think that anybody in his situation, and, and like I said, we, like you said, he, we might never know it. I do think that he'll say, um, you know, he's pretty honest at, at times like that. I, I, I don't know if he'll go overly, um, you know, give specific detail into what he would change, but I certainly think that there are things that crop up, you know, certain situations that he might have handled a little bit differently. Um, you know, just looking back to like the, the, you know, I don't know, hypothetically speaking, maybe he would have looked back at the, you know, Porzingis sprint gate situation. Sure. Yeah. In hindsight, it probably doesn't matter because yeah. Porzingis isn't here anymore, but maybe that's something that he would have handled differently. Or maybe he, you know, the Ennis Cantor situation, maybe he would have said, you know, I wish I had communicated that better with him directly. Um, again, that's all hypothetical. Maybe he feels like he did the right thing with those, but certain things like that, those types of situations, maybe he would like to change. But um, I'm sure that there are certain things that, you know, areas that he would like to have back. Yeah, it, Fizz is so interesting to me because I, you know, he was hired to kind of put, you know, he's the lipstick on this pig. That that was right. his role this year. And he's, I think he's he's done that pretty admirably. Yep, absolutely. Um, and I almost think some fans hold it against him from like the perspective of like, he's such a good talker. Um, they, 
they automatically assume that, well, you know, th- there's a lack of substance behind it. And, and you know, and maybe there is, I don't know, but right. um, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting year for him. Yeah, indeed. yeah, absolutely. I saw he's been great for us all. You know, he's been great. Dealing That's with what everybody says, right? That's an important thing. I mean, in New York, you know, you have to be good. You know, coaches have been fired because they weren't good with dealing with the media and putting up a public face. Sure. He's been great with that. And, and I, that goes a long way. You know, he's been, he's been tremendous um, no matter how bad the season has gotten. You know, he's, he's, he stood there. He's taken all of our questions. He hasn't, I mean, not once this year has he gotten really, I can't think of a single time where he's gotten like frustrated with a question. I mean, that's hard to believe. That is, you know, <laughs> that actually really, I'm trying to think if there was ever, there were a couple times he addressed Mark uh, by, uh, by name, but not in like a, but it was never in a negative way, just no. like literally just being a good guy, like just like, like just being a friendly person. Like, yeah, there's never been a single scenario where yeah. he's gotten frustrated. It's um, almost like the couple, there's been a couple of times where it's like, come on, Mark, you know, you know better than that, but not, not in a, like you said, not in a frustrating way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you brought up KP. I, I, I don't want to go over the KP trade again. I, I am curious though, what your thought on just this one aspect of it. He, you know, as, as has been documented and, and we could sit here and analyze how much of this is messaging from the garden versus, you know, actual truth. But he didn't want to be a member of the Knicks. I think that much is, is pretty clear. Um, do you think them trading him is more evidence that the, and I hate to keep going back to the same word, but that the culture is not where it should be? Or is the fact that they moved on from the guy who didn't want to be here more of a sign to you that, you know what, maybe things are actually changing for the better. Well, I, I think that there was always a bit of a disconnect between him and his representatives in the organization. We all know that obviously going back to when he skipped the exit meeting with Phil, you know, a, few, a couple of years ago, there was always sort of a, a distance between the two sides. And I don't think it ever really got repaired the way that the Knicks hoped it would. Um, I, I'm not sure if that one instance says anything about the culture overall. I, I think that it just more got to a point where Porzingis, for some reason, didn't trust where the organization was going and um, wanted out. And, and I don't think that that's enough to say that the culture within the locker room and the culture between Fisdale and his players is bad. Sure. Um, you know, I, I just think it's a situation where he didn't fully trust where, like I said, where the where the team was going, um, and didn't feel like this was the best place for him to be, for for you know whatever reason he felt. And obviously, you know, at some point maybe he'll he'll discuss that publicly, but he hasn't yet. So. Yeah, I'm waiting for that interview. Uh, yeah. I ju- I know it's going to drop at like some inopportune time, and Probably. it's gonna it's gonna be a, a doozy. Um, you know, and my family's yeah. gonna hate me because I'm gonna obsess over it for. What? Want to write something about it? Uh, yeah, you and millions of other people. Yeah, right. Um, well, let's let's try to, to, to go the other side of the coin. Um, do you get a sense that anybody that is on this roster this year, and obviously, like we said, we don't know who's going to be back. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's anyone that they're like they've pinpointed as like that's someone? that we feel like wants to be here, wants to, you know, as they keep saying, be a part of building this thing the right way. Someone that they could also make like, uh, you know, a, a cornerstone of what they're doing or are we not there yet? 
Well, I'll say this. I, I don't think that there's anybody that they on that roster that doesn't necessarily want to be here. Okay. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, they, if you have two guys like, you know, Knox and, and Mitchell Robinson, I mean, those two guys are obviously, I think, can be two kind of, like you said, cornerstones of the organization. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are definitely guys that they're, they're happy with and optimistic with for the future. Um, a guy like Trier, I think that they're, they've been pretty happy with overall. Um, so yeah, definitely. I think that there are guys in this organization or on this roster that they're they're happy with moving forward. Do you do you think Dennis Smith Jr. is one of those guys? And I, I say that because someone and I I thought I had noticed it and I didn't say anything about it, but someone asked me, has Smith Jr. been on the bench the last few games at home? Is anything going on there with him? I don't think so. I mean, I I, I think that it was just um, it is a little strange, you know, that it was it's a sore lower back and um, he hasn't been. <laughs> We haven't heard from him. He hasn't spoken to us since the injury happened, which is a point of frustration in, in a little, in small way. You know, sure. we just we would like to hear more from him about what's you know what he's feeling, what's going on. But technically, he doesn't have to talk while he's injured, um, or at least he has to talk within a reasonable amount of time. So, sure. And you know, we should hear from him soon, though, within the week, I think. Uh, but I don't think that there's enough there to feel like there's anything necessarily suspicious yet. Okay. Um, because it really wouldn't – like I said, he's a guy who's on the, he's under contract for next season, so it, it really wouldn't – and he's the guy, too, that in that Porzingis trade, like they wanted somebody on a rookie contract that they could have and kind of add to the fold. It, it really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me to, like, create some sort of controversy with him or try and, you know, keep him off the court. I, I would think that they'd want to kind of show him for the future. Yeah, no, I, I – and plus, you know, if you're him – um, I'm not really sure where else your career like this. This seems like it's a maybe it's not the last stop. I mean, he's clearly talented. He's still young, but like this might be his his last best shot. Um, yeah, I mean things certainly went poorly in Dallas. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, you know this is an opportunity for him to kind of reinvent himself a little bit and and to make some strides and and there's an opportunity here. I mean, it's clear that the Knicks don't. You know, I'm sure we'll, t- we'll get to this, but it, it's clear that the Knicks, you know, aren't completely sold on Nilakina being their point guard of the future. Um, you know, maybe you know if they go out and they sign Kyrie, then yeah, they have a point guard. But there's a lot that has to happen between that before that ever occurs. So there's a real opportunity for Dennis Smith Jr. and and you know he just has to take advantage of it. Well, you, you brought him up, so we might as well, we might as well talk. <laughs> I mean, listen, it's like he's the elephant in the room, the perpetual elephant in the room. Um, well, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think he's played his last game for the for the Knicks, Frank Nilekina? I don't think for the Knicks. I, I really I, – I, you know, it depends on the day you ask me. Uh, <laughs> I love really that does. answer. Like, it's just it – just, it, I could go – I go back and forth on it all the time. I, I think that they do – believe that he can be a solid piece for the future but i also think that there's no question if a team was interested they would talk i mean it just we've we already know that he was that there were teams interested at sure. the deadline and the knicks just didn't find a deal that was suitable for them um but at the same time i mean i remember you know back in january um before a game against the thunder i believe it was yeah it was the thunder 
and Fisdale was saying it was the first time that he really kind of gave a glimpse into like what he thinks Frank could be through for the future. I, I remember that well, yeah. And it was just more so like he could be like a complimentary piece. He said, you know, you have a lot of uh, big guns on your roster, and you need somebody who can kind of distribute the ball and kind of be in the middle. And um, do you think he was being honest with that? Because that sounded really good, and it sounded what like I've wanted to hear. But do you think he was Fisdale was being straightforward when he said those those comments? I actually do, only because that's kind of what Frank can be. I mean, I don't think that he's ever going to be a guy like a star who's going to be, you know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just I don't know if he's ever going to be like what fans hoped he would be when they drafted him eighth back in 2017. Like, sure. But I think that he can be a solid piece to a winning team if the Knicks ever actually become a winning team. If they get if they strike in free agency and they need a guy who can like. Fisdale said back then, distribute, kind of be a glue type of guy. I think that that's what Milikina would be good for. And that was the first time and really the only time that we've ever heard that from Fisdale. And and that night, Frank went out and guarded Paul George really well. I mean, remember that possession at sure. the end where George just kind of you know chucked up a three that missed? I mean, it, it was – that was that was kind of what Frank can be, and I think that that was the first time, like I said, that that Fisdale had had hinted at that. Um, so I think that they still are high in who he who he can become, and there are people in the organization who do like to say, keep in mind he's twenty years old, okay. um, he's only in his second year. This has been a, a difficult season because this was the year, and I've written this a lot. You know, this was the season that they hoped he would make some jumps, and he he just didn't do that. Um, and and I think that the Knicks, in a lot of ways, can be. Um, kind of question for the way that they've handled him this year. Oh, absolutely! Uh, it hasn't been it hasn't been perfect by any means. Um, you know, I, I think that they, you know, the, the way that they, you know, Fizdale's, you know, benching of him for three games. I don't think that that I, I kind of would second guess that a little bit, um, especially because they they would say that you know we want him to play freely and play free play through mistakes. But then he makes a couple of mistakes and he gets benched. So just some of the things that they were doing weren't matching up with what they were saying. So um, I think there's some reason to kind of be, you know, to call them into question there. Yeah, it's, you know, and I, look, I've defended Fisdale, but to look back on this year and, and how it's gone, um, you know, it, I, I always like to say if Frank Nilakina was shooting you know, 50 percentage points better, uh, from three. If he, you know, if he was whatever he's at right now, he's probably somewhere around 30% or a little yeah. less. If yeah. he was, you know, a league average shooting f- shooter from three, the season could potentially have a very different narrative, um, mm-hmm. for him because that, you know, but with all the fact that with all the yanking around has resulted in him potentially, you know, maybe that's the reason why he has just lost a lot of confidence in his shot. I mean, it's, it's so layered, like you kind of right. say, right. um, and, um, yeah, I uh, I don't know. Well, something you just said though, I'm I'm curious about. You said some in the organization, you know, would still remind you he's 20. Do you get the sense that there's like a unified vision within the Knicks of like this is what we want this team to be, or do you? And and if there isn't, do you get a sense that it's like healthy disagreement? Which I, there should always be some disagreement within you know the people running a team. But where, where do you where do you get a sense of with that picture? From what I've gotten and, and their, their public front, I mean, they're all kind of have a similar singular vision of where they want to go. Um, you know, I don't think that there's any necessarily, uh, you know, big disagreements about what the direction that they're trying to go in is or, or anything like that. I think right now they're all on board. Um, again, this was the season where they knew that they were going to lose a lot and, you know, you hope to come out of it with a high draft pick and, and maybe some good free agents, you know, come, come July. 
Um, so I think that they all, I think that after this, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens if things don't go well in the next few months. Like, you know, oh like, I, I don't know what, it's, it's just going to be like, I don't know what, how they're going to, how they're going to try and, and, and sell it now. Um, but I think right now, as we speak, I, I think that there's pretty much a, a kind of a singular vision as to where they're hoping that this team goes. We, I haven't brought it up yet, but I guess I'll, I'll do it now. So the, the Dolan, Dolan, the thing happened with the fan, and then he went on and gave the interview with Michael K. I didn't hear about that. <laughs> it was, you know, I came home one day and I flipped on the the, the old Yes Network there, and, and there he was, smiling, Jim, uh, with his with his notes. Um, yeah. Who's yeah. that, Mitchell? Uh, oh, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. Let me make sure I have this right. He's, yeah, yeah, he's a good good young. Uh, what? He's a rookie there. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, I had to. Um, so my question about that is is simply this: Do you think that 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 interview? Um, do you think it changed how they will react if it does? If let's say July does not go as they want it to go, um, or can we not even know that? Is that is that just impossible to know at this point? Yeah, I'm not sure if that interview had anything to do with anything in the grand scheme. I don't think it helped um, because a, a part of this year too was trying to avoid the dysfunction that's affected them for the better part of the last that's, twenty years. That's and, the other thing that I was going to get to. Do you, you think know, that that? stuck out so so blatantly is like ah same old Knicks I I think in some ways it did it's not nearly as bad as some instances that have happened obviously and and you know that and everybody I'm sure listening knows that I mean in the grand scheme this was a sort of a minor event um you know it it, I don't think that it's going to affect it to the point that like it's going to significantly hurt them but it just I think it shows that there's still a problem at the top at times you're kidding me Um, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> you know, I think it kind of reminded everybody that some things, as much as they want to change, some things will kind of remain the same. You um, know? Complete opinion question: Do you, do you think he sells the team within the next, let's say, I don't know, five years? Oh boy, man! I would say. That's a hard one. I, I don't know. I, I would say, yeah. I mean, if, if he got a really good offer, if somebody came up with like $6 billion and offered it to him, um, there's a good chance I think that he, he probably would. Again, that's completely my own opinion. Yeah, no, sure. I just, um, well, I'm curious what you, yeah, what you think and your gut. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, that that certainly is within the realm of possibility. Okay. A um, couple more, then we'll get you out of here. Uh, yeah, I, I can't let you go without asking about um, everybody's favorite player, Emmanuel Moutier. Um, he is, he's been kind of an interesting conversation piece throughout the year because I, he frustrates a lot of fans. Um, and I think a lot of fans' frustrations with this year are kind of targeted at the fact that Moutier is the one guy, I think even beyond Knox, that has gotten like the endless leash. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, like, I have my own theories about it, uh, but do you, is there anything that you could like kind of add to that picture? I mean, is he like a really hard worker behind the scenes? Is he just really bought into, you know, what they're doing? Is it just like, you know, Fizdale likes the guy? I mean, what, do you get any sense of where some of this is, is coming from? Because on the court, well, there have been some nice moments and we just saw one of them, you know, recently, um, against the Clippers, he had a nice game. Um, there's been a lot of negatives too. Um, so where do you stand on him? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think 
looking at his numbers, like this is the best season that he's had. Oh, for sure. Which, you know, so I, I think that there's there's some of that. It's just he's he's played well, like you said, in spurts, and he's played well at times. And um, and I, I do think that Fisdale likes the way he can run the offense and likes his potential in, in keeping them organized. And, you know, earlier this season, Fisdale said he, that he's the team's best passer. So I think a lot of it does come from that, that on a team with kind of a – you know, I think the Smith the, the Smith acquisition kind of changed that a little bit where now they actually okay. have a point guard for their future. But I think until that point, like, Moutier was kind of the one guy that he had that he could put a point guard and kind of kind of know what he's going to get from him. Gotcha. Um, so I, I think that a lot of that does come from, from that area. Um, you know, it, it, it has been a little bit questionable at times, the leash that they've given him, but I, I think that Fizdale did believe in him. And, and liked what he was doing. And I do think that Moutier works hard um, and just kind of grasp what they're trying to do and has bought in. So I think that that's gone a long way. You know, I think that that connection between him and Fizz um, certainly, uh, you know, can't be overlooked. Um, we mentioned Kevin Knox briefly before. Do you do you get the sense from him that this year, because when you see him give an interview, it's like, If there's any emotion there, I can't discern any. Do you think this year has kind of the ups and downs of it have gotten him down, or do you get a sense that he's still pretty, you know, upbeat and excited for things? I'll tell you what. Every time we talk to him, he seems very confident, not in a bad way, just like nothing's getting to him. Um, He still seems very positive about where he's going. I'll say this. He he knows exactly what he has to work on. That's good. Like he's not a guy that's – um, needs to be really told what he needs to do. He, he's, and that's something that I had heard from people even before the season started. Just people from his past and who have who have known him before that he's he's got a really good work ethic um, and that he's gonna do what he needs to do to to get better. Um, and I think that we've seen that this year. I think that this year was just all about kind of the NBA hitting a 19 year old in the face. Yeah. And you know you look around and you see you know other 19 year olds who are playing well, guys like you know Doncic and and, you know, Jaron Jackson down in Memphis is around that age, but there's a reason why they were drafted several spots higher than Knox, sure. uh, you know. Um, and, and I think the one thing, too, that I think for some reason people have kind of lost sight of, when they drafted him, he was always going to be a project. I, like that was always, always going to be the expectation. Um, he, he needed a lot of time. Um, it, it was going to take a few seasons. I remember we spoke to John Calipari at the Combine in Chicago last May, and he said that he believed – he kept saying it. Like, Knox is going to be a really good player, but he's young. He's, he kept saying everything. He was like, he's going to be able to do this. He's going to do X, Y, and Z, but he's young. And then he went into some thing about how Knox didn't have hair under his arm. I, it was very strange. It got weird. <laughs> but there was like a whole thing about he was d- depicting how young he is and that was the one thing that he came back to because it was with the Knicks. It was between everybody thought it was between Knox and Mikael Bridges. Sure. And Mikael Bridges had a few years under his belt at Villanova. And he's Obviously been good. Had, by the he's way. been fine. He's yeah, he's good. been very good. Yep, he's been a solid piece for for the Suns. And um, Calipari was basically just saying that, like, you know, you have to look at him in three years and then start to compare the two players because right now he has the potential to be really good, but he's young. And for some reason, this year. Like halfway through the season, I think people started to have these kind of unfair expectations on him and start thinking that, oh, well, now he's played half a season. Now he should be a great NBA player. No, this is going to take a long time. He needs to get physically stronger. He, he needs to get better at uh, absorbing contact. Um, that's been a big issue. 
his shots need to fall. And I do think that there's a lot to be said for the fact that he's 19 years old and he's a big focal point of other teams. And there's no one, and Fizdale has said this last a lot in the last few weeks, there's no one to hide his warts. You know, he's, he's, he's exposed. That's I mean, great, like everything that every struggle that he has, every flaw is going to be exposed and there's no one to hide that. There's no veteran there that can kind of like, you know, you can kind of tuck him away and let him do deal with his struggles. It's, not, it's not Tatum with the Celtics last year. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, everything is on, on display. That's been an issue. And they're, they're hoping that, you know, next year, if you bring a couple of guys in, then he, that, that can win is when he can really start to, truly grow and take some steps but this year it's been tough for him if someone gave you even odds on kevin uh let's say that the summer goes as planned and they get you know durant and and name your name your super friend number two um do you think kevin knox knox is starting for this team on opening night next year um assuming that they don't trade you know for like anthony davis or something yeah. he's included in there yeah, I mean, I, I, it's interesting. Like, if you got – like, they tried him at power forward this year, and it didn't really go that great. He was uh, not ready for that big guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe, like, next year if you bring him in, if you bring in – if you have Durant, you know, and you look at him, you know, physically, did he get stronger? Um, could he handle that the, the four next season? I think that that, you know, time will tell. Okay. Right now it's, it's tough to say okay. um, whether or not he'd be in the starting lineup. A um, couple more. Mitchell Robinson, um, obviously he's been, you know, I think the biggest success story. Um, although Trier's pretty close. Trier's had a really underrated season. I, 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 it's, he also seems like a really great kid, like, not to go off on a tangent. But do you, is Trier like, he seems like smart and engaging. Is, is like, Am I getting the right read from him? He's, a, he's, um, he's honest that there's, um, you know, definitely there's no shortage of confidence. Um, <laughs> That's which, good. which is a good thing, I guess. Um, yeah, and he'll 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 tell you that you know he he doesn't he doesn't hide the fact that he's very confident. Um, yeah, he's been he's had a solid season. He's like I said he earlier he's had his shares up of ups and downs. Sure, a lot of that's just come from him not being a surprise. You know, other teams know about him, so that's they've true. adjusted toward him or adjusted to him, and now he has to adjust back. Um, so that's where some of his, his kind of his struggles were coming from. But for the most part, I mean, he's been pretty solid for them. Um, so the question I had about Mitch was, I like, you can never tell. Well, I shouldn't say that. Sometimes you could tell very early on when someone's going to be a star, even when they're not putting up big numbers. I get the sense that when I'm watching him at times that he thinks that he could be a really special player in this league. Mm-hmm. Um, that that this one hundred percent could be my my um glass overflowing fandom, you know, projecting onto what I see. But do you get the sense that he is like real? Like you said, Knox and and Trier are are confident. Like, do you get the sense that Mitch has like a, a kind of a quiet confidence too in him? Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's he's told us he's like, I want to be defensive player of the year. Um, you know, he he wants to be that sort of player. Um. He definitely is confident. I, I think he should be too. I mean, look, he, he's, you know, he's got great instincts, and he's got things that you can't teach. And I, I think that that that's going to go a long way in the end because if he continues to to develop, just his natural instincts and his natural abilities are going to carry him a pretty long way. He's gotten a lot better. I mean, you know, some, it's it's fun to think about like where he was at the start of the year when he was kind of this quiet kid who didn't say a whole lot. Yeah. Now yeah. now in the locker room, like when we're in there, like he's joking. He's constantly. He constantly talks. He, really? He's always, yeah, he's always joking around. Oh, wow. 
Um, he's, he's, he's pretty funny. And, and it's kind of just from where he started at the start of the year. Like it, it, it's amazing to see how far he's come in that regard. Um, you know, and, and he's just, he's gotten better on the court too. He still has a long way to, to go. Um, especially offensively, but you know, his, his block shots, everybody knows about, I wrote about recently how his rebounding has gotten a lot better. And yes. that was an area earlier in the season where he really wasn't, you know, you had the seven foot one center and he wasn't getting rebounds. I think at a rate that many people thought now he's starting to, you know, regularly get eight, nine, 10 rebounds. He's starting to get more double doubles. Um, so he's gotten a lot better. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what type of player he comes back next season as. Um, last one, and this is a, a personal question for you. I have been told that every writer um, just roots for good stories um, mm-hmm. to be able to write. So if you had your druthers, you could only have one, um, Zion on this team next year or Kevin Durant on this team next year. Uh, I'm not going to ask you which you prefer, but like, which do you think would produce maybe the more uh fun year for you the more engaging year for you i don't know what the word i want to use is but like right where where are you if you had to only pick one where would you be kevin durant yeah no question (laughs) yeah i mean kevin durant coming here would be something that i mean it it would be the it would be a huge focus of the country um i mean that would be you know just that that would be a spectacle every single day you know, what he's going to do with this team. Um, you know, this would be a, a – if he comes here, like, things are going to be so different. <laughs> I mean, it's just going to be like just every day at, at practice. I mean, the amount of attention that's being paid to the team, it, it's just going to be like a total 180. So that would be – you know, if Zion came here or, or if they drafted Zion, um, you know, that would certainly be interesting. But we really don't know what I, – I, we have – every reason to believe that he's going to be a very good NBA player, but we don't know sure. that for sure. Um, but if, but if Kevin Durant, you know, does end up signing with the Knicks, it, it, it would be very, very, it would be a very interesting season. Well, um, what are we, are we, let's see, April, May, June. So I guess we're, is it like exactly a hundred days? I feel like we may have just passed the exact hundred days mark. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not good at math, but that seems about right. Right. Um, uh, yeah, it's about, it's about that. Something like that. All right. So yeah. the clock's ticking. Um, yeah. Chris, um, listen, I, I got to give you a, a quick plug here. I did it after the last podcast. I, I clearly didn't do enough, uh, enough of a good job because, there are still Knicks fans out there who like don't follow you on Twitter, which <laughs> and again I know Twitter isn't everything. It's not, but like you are, you're you're the best there is in terms of just delivering like just stuff that if you're a Knicks fan and you want to read what's going on with this team every day. I don't know how you do it, but you pump out <laughs> stories literally every day. And you manage to give the bad news in a way that doesn't make me want to poke my eyeballs out. And uh, that's not easy, man. That is not easy. So, um, you know, it's every day for the record, NorthJersey.com. You're killing it. Just um, And it's it's been fun to follow you this year and, and just get news from you. And just, yeah, it's been cool. awesome. I, I And I appreciate you coming on. No, thank you very much. I appreciate you saying that. Um, I appreciate you having me on. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, down the line here, you know, you and all the next fans can have some, some good things to to actually cheer for on a daily basis. So, 
you know, we'll, we'll see. But like I said, I appreciate you saying that. Of course. Um, well, listen, uh, I hope that the next two weeks, I, I'm going to say this. I hope the next two weeks go quickly. <laughs> Me too. I, I feel like I could use a break and I do this for a hobby. I'm sure you could use a break. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll take some time in, in April and then uh, I'm sure the draft. Oh, by the way, do you have any sense of like where they're, where they're thinking for a draft pick or you have, have they not even? Yeah, that, that, uh, I wish I did right now. I, I really tr- truly don't. I, I didn't I even they, ask cause I don't think they do. That's why. I yeah. Just I, I don't think that if they do, they haven't said anything. Um, I think there's so much uncertainty now with the, just the lottery and where they're going to pick. And the draft yeah. is so weird that th- this year that it's so top heavy. I know. Um, it, it's going to be, you know, so I, I haven't gotten a clear indication of what way they're leaning. So, oh. you know, come May, uh, lottery's 14th. So come like May 15th, I'm sure they'll have a much better idea of yeah, where was, they want to go. I was about to say, next time I have you on, that's what we could, we could talk Absolutely. about. Absolutely. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again for coming on. Uh, and of course, everybody out there, thank you for uh, taking the time to listen to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We'll be back with you with uh, another episode after the Raptors game on Thursday. Uh, until then, have a good rest of your week and we'll talk to you soon. Good evening.